Are you looking for some music to rock the fuck out to? Then go over to cmsradio.net, cmsradio.net. There's three stations there, one with the 24-hour classic metal show and two with streaming music, one of them being Uncontrolled Noise, the other being the Shock Waves Radio. So get over there today and rock out. All right, well, here we go. Welcome to an episode of Aftershocks at AftershocksTV.com on the CMS Podcast Network. And joining us today, we've got a long-term veteran in the metal world. Uh, he's here to talk about his uh, band's new live album called Lost Machine Live. It comes out November 27th on Century Media Records. From Canadian progressive sci-fi metal innovators, Voivod, we've got drummer Michael Away langevin joining us on the episode today. Uh, Wait, thanks so much for coming on with us. How are you doing today, buddy? I'm great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, yes. Thanks for coming. Uh, Yeah, so the new live record, Lost Machine Live. I mean, this show uh, was recorded uh, last summer in 2019 in your hometown of Quebec there in Canada. And uh, you know what always interests me about uh, live records is how bands go about the process of selecting the show and the tracks for them. I mean, obviously, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, to record a hometown show too for a live record because there's no better crowd than a a local one in order to simultaneously you know capture the the pure energy of the you know the band and the fans together. But for bands who pre-select a you know specific show to record a live album for, I always wonder you know what happens if and when they're not completely satisfied with their performance after they listen to it. So I guess my you know my first question for you is: um, Did you guys you know uh, pre-plan? to record this you know, specific gig for the record ahead of time, or did you decide to do it afterwards because you felt it was such a good uh, performance that you wanted your, you know, your whole fan base to hear it? Um, well, actually, we, we didn't build the set list for this uh, specific album. Uh, we were halfway through a world tour for uh, the album The Wake, okay. and um, we uh, happened to play a couple of festivals um, in our hometown of uh, the province of Quebec. Uh, one, mm. sh- one show was the uh, Montreal Jazz Fest, and okay. the other show was the Quebec City Summer Fest. And so since we were at home, we uh, were able to uh, record both shows multi-track. And okay. um, it's just that um, um, we thought maybe the Quebec show, um, uh, the whole show was really great. Uh, and it, it, uh, it, we thought it would make for a great uh, full uh, LP, uh, but uh, for, I think we were we might have been a bit nervous for the jazz uh, the jazz fest in Montreal because it, it's really prestigious. So mm-hmm. um, uh, um, we were able to use a co- a few tracks uh, for the end of dormancy EP, but we ver- we really focused on uh, the Quebec City show because uh, the the vibe and the performance was really great. We thought and. Uh, so since we were like in the middle of the uh, of a world tour, the set list was what we had prepared for the whole tour, uh, um, uh, some sort of survey of the career. So um, in a way, the Last Machine album uh, turned into a, a greatest sets of sorts. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Well, I know it's uh, you know it's a lot different uh, you know in terms of where you recorded. Um, or where these songs were recorded, I should say. Uh, it's a lot different than your first live record back in 2000 when you did Voivod Lives, which I know 
was sort of split between the Dynamo Festival and then the CBGBs, which I thought was really cool because it's you know show it basically showcases to your fans and, and potential new ones how the band you know the band sounds sonically when you play in, in two different type of settings like that, one with a big open air festival, another a little club. Um, did you find it more challenging to kind of get what you wanted out of the live record doing this one compared to the other one? Because generally speaking, you know, obviously with a, a hometown crowd, you know, there's a lot of the unconditional love and the crowd of course is going to be fired up regardless of how, you know, maybe great or subpar the performance is. So obviously if you're home playing in front of your, you know, your hometown fans, you're going to be a little bit looser you know, it's it, you're not going to have, I guess, any of that really pressure because you know the crowd's going to be great. Um, but when you're on the road, it's a lot different, you know, because you're outside your hometown. Uh, you have to, obviously you have to work the crowd maybe a little bit more to get that same reaction, and then it could sort of put pressure on the band to really be on your A game. So, I mean, did, did you find it more challenging, I guess, to get what you wanted out of this one uh, compared to the last one, or were you just happy, you know, uh, with the both of them? Um... Well, I don't know. It just—I mean, it's actually. I find it actually more stressful to play in front of friends and family. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I don't have a problem playing in front of thousands of strangers, but uh-huh. a, a small show at home. Uh, uh, um, actually, it's funny because um, it must have been three or four years ago uh, we opened for Metallica in Quebec City for this uh, the Summerfest as well. And mm-hmm. uh, they were like hundred thousand people. It was just insane. Wow. And uh, it and the next uh, the next morning we played a surprise show in the street uh, for the squeegees and uh, <laughs> just uh, it was sort of <laughs> unannounced. And it it I was more nervous for this show <laughs> than okay. the, the one with Metallica previously. Oh wow! But okay. Anyhow, I think that uh, the 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 point is um we um. Since the show in Quebec City was halfway through a world tour, uh, uh, the, we were really, really um, roaded. Uh, do you say that? Uh, anyhow, we the uh, the the unit was very uh, uh, efficient, and uh, I mean the the lineup was on fire, and uh, we were pretty convinced that uh, a lot of material could be used, um, uh, which was not the case when we did the Voivod lives, uh, mm. where we thought we had to combine shows because. Uh, we thought some of the songs were not performed properly, or, or and okay. so on. So I think that um, we um, we sort of got lucky that this show was sort of perfect, uh, where we don't make that many mistakes. And um, uh, so it's in the end, it's a very good uh, product for the people into Voivod. No questions. Well, well, Michael, um, you know, I, I've seen Voivod play numerous times at this point, and I've seen you guys play on the biggest stages, you know, especially during the time when Newstead was in the band. And I've seen you play art, probably some of the smallest shows you ever played. One of them was in Cleveland on Negatron when you played for like 20 people at Peabody's Down Under. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was a tiny club and it was like a Monday and it was the Indians were in the World Series, I believe. And there was like nobody at the show. It was such an empty thing. But every time I've seen you guys play, regardless of the crowd size, you guys come with this amazing intensity. And to be honest, the the, the tiny show I'm talking about had the most intensity of any any time that I've seen you play. Yeah. What is what is it with you guys that you bring such an intensity whenever you play a show to the show? Because that's got to be hard when you've played in front of 
you know, 10,000, 20,000 people than to play in front of 35 people or whatever and still be that intense. Yeah, it's, um, I think it's just the love of playing music and also, uh, um, it's, it, it's really what um, keeps me going on. I've been uh, in Voivod for 37 years and uh, what keeps me going is to go around the globe playing live music for old friends, new friends and uh, and um, even when uh, it happened that we had a, a bit of a lower profile in the mid '90s, uh, we still loved touring and 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 playing music uh, everywhere. So um, to me, um, you know, um, it, of course, um, at times we we have to question uh, question a bit, you know, the fact that uh, we were not were really uh, underrated and all that. So, well, so we were told, but um, um, what, what can you do, you know, um, um, when, uh, when um, it's what you want to do and sure. it's what you know uh, how to do. But in the end, you know, um, perseverance uh, really paid off and now we're enjoying a lot of popularity. So uh, good things can happen when you don't give up. Sure. And, and you, you know, the underrated thing is a... It is a smart term for it. I would argue, though, that one of the reasons that you guys never got bigger than you than you have is not so much about where people rate you, but it's that you guys just avoided the trends completely. You never sold out for radio. You never sold out for, you know, at the time, MTV. You guys always did everything your own way. And, and, and that's even true. It's true past the music. The music has always been distinctly Voivod. The artwork has always been distinctly Voivod. You guys never sold out. And I would argue that that's why you guys have been able to stay as long as you have, because you were, you never allowed yourselves to be labeled as a trend jumping band. Um, yes. I mean, even when we went uh, really far into the, catchy uh, metal uh, territory with uh, Entrevat and Outer Limits, it was still a bit too weird for the mainstream. Right. So uh, we were really um, writing the music that we wanted to play at that specific time all through our career. And uh, sometimes it played against us because we were, uh, sometimes it was totally out of sync with what, what was going on. But um, um, anyhow, um, and it's another thing that paid off in the end uh, at, uh, because we, um, even though we uh, switched styles, uh, we always kept the Voivod signature in there uh, as much as we could anyway. Sure. Definitely. Now, now, Michael, I, I want to talk about the video that you guys just released um, for Lost Machine. Um, as much as it's a cool song and as much as it's not, some crazy you know graphical thing i love the overlays that you guys did in the video it's just so distinctly voivod that you know that it really separates it from just about any other video that's out there today so uh talk about that decision to spice things up with the graphics and and really incorporate the whole voivod feel to the video um well uh philippe who did the deaf uh, documentary. Uh, mm -hmm. He's uh, working on a Voivod documentary and uh, we uh, asked him to uh, to do uh, videos for the singles uh, of the upcoming album, upcoming album. And um, 
he's the one who mentioned that he would like to animate some artwork. So I uh, scanned uh, artwork I did on the road last year uh, on the, the Wake Tour. I do, um, um, in uh, every city we play at the end of the day, uh, I do a one drawing or two to express my vision of the city, my vibe, and um, I uh, scanned these uh, pieces of artwork for, and uh, it got animated for the video. And uh, the result is very Voivodian. Uh, we, we're always lucky, uh, the people who, uh, who do our video, they always uh, know the aesthetic. And um, uh, sometimes it's reminiscent of what we used to do in the 80s, but it, with a total modern twist. So uh, it's really great. Yeah. And speaking, you know, of the video, Michael, uh, the in interesting thing about it is that the, the audio track and the video clip I read are, are from two different shows that were played during that same tour. So the audio track you hear on the video, right, is from a different show than what you're watching. Wh why did the band and, and the director in, in Felipe uh, decide to go uh, to do it that way instead of just using the actual, you know, audio recording from the video clip? I mean, were you just not as you know, satisfied uh, or content with that audio track from that actual uh, video footage? Well, uh, we thought, I mean, for the Jazz Fest in Montreal, we really wanted to document the whole um, show, mainly for the movie, uh, for Felipe. Okay. Um, so we had uh, many people filming, and um, we also recorded the show multi-track, but we didn't document the Quebec City show visually, <laughs> and okay. we were really happy with the audio, but we didn't have the visuals, so okay. um, uh, I, I just thought, I asked Felipe if it'd be uh, doable to uh, to match uh, both medias together, and uh, he did it, which is great. Okay. Yeah. Now, in terms of the documentary you just mentioned coming out, so did Felipe, did you guys, did he come to you and want to do one on you guys, because yeah, I mean, I, I thought that the death documentary was fantastic. So I think yeah. that's a great a great choice to have somebody. He's great for, uh, for doing a documentary for you guys. So how did that come about? Well, we um, uh, back when uh, it's uh, like around the time of the piggy's unfortunate passing in two thousand five, we uh, uh, Sam Dunn uh, contacted us to do a mm -hmm. movie, and okay. uh, so we started it. Uh, I think it was in early two thousand six, and uh, but then Sam. Uh, started to be uh, very busy, and okay. um, um, and uh, Felipe was um, uh, working with Sam, and uh, he um, ended up sending me uh, uh, a deaf uh, documentary, and uh, I was really sold. Uh, uh, so um, now he's finishing the movie up, and um, it's a long process. There were there is a lot of archive, um, a lot of archives uh, for Voivod. Sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and one of the things too, you know, Michael, uh, about the band, you know, the that the band has done over the years, is that you guys have mostly, you know, produced your own records for the. I mean, for you know, going back a couple of decades now. I mean, which you, you know, you did obviously, you know, um, you know, like I said, since the earlier part of your career, and, and you know, as, as you always hear people say, it's extremely difficult. They say to create a solid record without having an outside producer come in and sort of challenge band members and you know, tell them things they don't want to hear. But Voivod, I think you guys have definitely put, you know, cold water to that theory because of the great records, you, you know, you guys have made over the years by producing yourselves. So for you guys, because the band is so unique, you know, not only in your sound, but as well as, you know, the lyrical content, you know, um, and the concepts, 
at this point, would you even be able to work with an outside producer? Like, say, save a legendary guy like a Rick Rubin or, you know, Colin Richardson or someone expressed interest. Could you guys even do that? Because in my opinion, you guys are the only ones that know and can understand really what you're going for uh, because your sound and vision is so unique and complex that I think it would be such a an arduous test for anybody, you know, to come in and, and to try to tap into what you guys do. Well, it's just, I mean, we actually learned a lot from uh, people who produced the album with us. Um, it's just that over the years, we um, we learned how to, uh, we learned a recipe <laughs> and uh, mm -hmm. we know how to do the process. And uh, we're lucky that um, uh, Chewie and Rocky have a, a childhood friend um, uh, living outside of Montreal with a studio in the woods and uh, mm -hmm. um, tons of gear. He's a super great engineer. And uh, he is a, is a long-time Voivod fan. He knows what we want. And so we have a very, very good setup. But um, um, over the years, I had dreams of uh, being produced produced by, like, Steve Albini. And so mm. we, we had a great, uh, amazing time uh, with uh, Terry Brown for the uh, Angel Rat album. Mm. But uh, right now, um, we, uh, we found a way um, to achieve uh, what we want to hear sonically um, by ourselves. But mm -hmm. uh, I must say that uh, these days technology helps a lot, you know. And, sure. uh, back then, just to have uh, weird effects, sometimes we had to cut tapes and reverse it. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. No yeah. question, man. Well, uh, well, Michael, um, you know, with, with the, um, the, new, the new release, it, it pretty much features, or doesn't completely, but it, it, it was built around touring for the wake which was one of the most critically well-received albums you guys have ever done you know i was i i mean it's a, it's a great record but it was surprisingly well received a lot of a lot of times the press just doesn't get you guys so they just you know either ignore you guys or write bad things this one really seemed to be universally liked were you surprised by the reaction to the wake and, or, you know, at this point, do you guys even care? Well, we, we learned not to expect anything, um, right. but we worked, uh, we worked a lot on it. So we knew that it was a um, very um, like good vintage Voivod with a new twist in a way. But um, uh, it's just that when, when it came out, when it came out, we were, we were starting a, a tour in uh, Europe. Uh, and um, so we were like in Romania and, and it came out and um, as soon as the album came out the clubs got really packed everywhere okay. and we uh, it was very instantaneous um, like uh, all of a sudden the, the, we had we had a very great buzz and we just surfed on it for almost two years and um, uh, so uh, it just made the uh, unanimity and we ended up winning a Juno, uh, a Juno in uh, Canada, and right. so which is a big deal for us. And so, uh, yeah, everybody loved it. The people into Voivod and uh, the journalist and the label and everybody uh, was really into it. So it's a good indication for us that we're following a good path with this proggy fusion trash thing. Right. <laughs> but. Voivod being Voivod, the next album might not be the same. <laughs> the next one might be country jazz for all of oh, you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, well, Michael, as, as you're aware, as we're all aware, this pandemic has just killed the music industry. It's hurt 
you know, it's obviously hurt. Basically any, any professional band that's out there has been hurt by it in some way, shape or form. How has the pandemic affected you guys? And, you know, what are you guys doing to kind of adjust to what's going on because of the pandemic? Uh, well, we um, when we came back from um, uh, right before the holidays uh, last year, we came back from a Euro tour with Guar, and then we took a couple of weeks off, and then we started uh, uh, in January and February uh, to write some music and uh, put some uh, recordings down and demos, and and then in mid March uh, the lockdown happened uh, here, and uh, so everything stopped. So we thought, all right. What do we have to work on? So we rem- so uh, past November before leaving on tour with War, we had re- uh, filmed um, a video for the song "The End of Dormancy." So we thought, okay, uh, let's work on some EP and uh, a video, finish up the video, and then we also um, uh, remember that we had the Quebec City show. So we thought, all right, let's mix that down and master it and re- uh, release a, a live album before the end of the year, a full LP. And then we also um, uh, sort of uh, sync, um, synced up with Logic Pro uh, and a Dropbox folder online and and kept writing the new album while socially distancing. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, and um, also... Uh, Touring so much um, uh, for the wake, a lot of projects were put aside, and so we decided to finish up the movie with Felipe. And there, there is also a, a, a book in the works. And uh, on my end, I uh, decided to scan all of my uh, art for a future publication. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I uh, so I'm uh, right now building an online store. It should be ready in a couple of weeks or so. So. Um, yeah, there, there's a way to moving forward, but I must say that um, we uh, really, really miss uh, going on the road and playing live. So what we did, uh, we um, we did an online show that went super well, and um, we're thinking of maybe playing specific albums this uh, winter. Uh, we do that at uh, Radicard Studio, where we record our material these days. Very cool. That's great, Mike. Well, you know, just one last question I got for you, Michael. You know, the, the reputation, obviously, amongst the metal community for you guys has been interesting over the years because the band, you know, you guys are considered a part of the Canadian Big Four thrash bands. And although, and although the band has, you know, you guys have thrash metal elements, uh, especially most so, I think, uh, uh, earlier on in your career, the, the band is not, you know, you guys aren't necessarily a thrash band. In fact, I think the band has probably... You said more subgenres and genres attached to to you guys and any other metal band out there. Uh, how difficult is it for a band like Voivod, you know, who really doesn't sound like anyone else in the metal realms? How do you maintain an audience all these years when you really don't necessarily fit into a particular, you know, genre or subgenre of metal? Well, it, it actually uh, uh, helps us to have. Um Many people from different scenes uh, showing up at the shows, and uh, it makes for a very good crowd. And uh, um, yeah, I mean, we were definitely part of the trash metal movement. It's our roots, and uh, it's the main ingredient in the Voivod music with the double kick and uh, the the um, uh, the lyrics about uh, destruction of this planet and all that. So, um, mm. but you know, we sort of branched. Um, into other uh, avenues, and uh, it it um, it ended up being 
really helpful in the sense that we could tour with Rush, but also Creator, but also Fit No More and Sound Garden, mm -hmm. and so Neurosis. So and uh, it's the same in the, uh, for uh, the festivals. We play all kinds of different festivals, and uh, not necessarily uh, only metal fests, but we are definitely um, part of. Uh, uh, a classic thrash metal uh, movement, though, um, uh, mm -hmm. with uh, our friends of uh, way back, like Exodus, Destruction, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, Celtic Frost, and and um, it, it's uh, it's funny because uh, we still tour around the planet and share stages with uh, Testament and Megadeth, sure. and <laughs> so yeah. it's uh, it's always cool to. Uh, to meet again and chat and we uh, quite often we wonder how come it's still so relevant because it, trash metal is very popular and mm -hmm. uh, i think it's what i was saying we were we, we talked we talked about in the 80s uh, being a product of the cold war we talked about a uh, uh, high-tech weaponry and the uh, environment uh, and destruction of earth and and uh, it's it's still relevant uh, and mm -hmm. uh, in my opinion it's uh, sure. it's one of the reasons why uh, a lot of people are into it still yeah, yeah, it is definitely relevant. You're right. Obviously, these days. Um, well, we really, we uh, really appreciate you coming on today, Michael. Why don't you go ahead and just tell the listeners uh, where they can go ahead and find uh, Lost Machine Live when it comes out in late November, and any and where, where they could just pick up any of your merch or, or hear any of your music. Uh, well, the best is to go to um, uh, voiva.com to uh, uh, find all the links um, or the Facebook page um, and also uh, for um, uh, merch there's also voivodmerch.com that people can go to which is 100% legit because we run it okay perfect then alright well yeah Lost Machine Live comes out November 27th on Century Media Records and thanks so much Michael for joining us today and good luck with everything buddy thanks for having me guys thanks for listening to Aftershocks for more episodes go to our website at www.aftershockspodcast.com. Visit us on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages for more news and information on the podcast. And be sure to subscribe, listen to, and review all episodes on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all other podcast platforms. For your music listening pleasure, visit our website or go to www.shockwavesradio.com. For all comments and questions, please email us at info at aftershockspodcast.com.